Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, my friends. It's Friday. I'll pray that you are well. It's Friday, August 6th. This is podcast number 346. We're going to do part two of our series on uh, adversity as a good teacher. And for you that are looking to get back into Mark, we'll get back into Mark on Monday. Uh, I'm taking a break from it because, you know, just every once in a while you need a break. And, and, um, and we'll get back into Mark chapter 13, which will be kind of heavy. Um, uh, but we'll be dealing with a little bit of prophetic material about the uh, tribulation. And so Mark chapter 13 and Daniel 7, if you want to study ahead. Teacher's pets, work ahead. Anyway, turn to Hebrews as we get back into our series on adversity, just a short one. Uh, yesterday, we talked about embracing adversity and saying that adversity is a good teacher. And we are mainly in Hebrews, the 58th book of the Bible. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12, just a couple verses in each chapter, and then a couple verses in Philippians, and I'll let you get to your Friday. Um, so Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 35 and 36, we looked at them um, yesterday. We'll look at verses 35, 36, and 39. Therefore, verse, chapter 10, verse 35, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. What confidence? Our confidence in Christ. Our confidence in the faith that was given to us. Ephesians chapter 2 says faith is a gift to us, which leads us to salvation through grace, but even the faith we have is a gift from God. So don't, do not throw it away, says in verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, there is the key, for when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. When we are doing our own thing, running around doing our own thing, we're not doing the will of God, and yet we want to receive the promises of God, guess what? Probably not going to happen. God doesn't owe us anything. He gave his life for us. And uh, as we, and underline it again, we do the will of God and we com uh, complete the will of God for our lives, then we receive what is promised. And what is that promise? It's the promise of, of uh, this eternal life that God has planned for us. And it's a promise of his blessings that go along with living that Christian life and living it according again to the will of God. Um. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Those, that's who we are. And as he leads into, the writer of Hebrews leads into the chapter 11, um, verse 1, he says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He says, we're not going to throw away our confidence and we're going to hold fast to our faith, which preserves our very souls. And what is faith? Before uh, anybody can even question it, he answers it. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We don't see it because if we saw it, it wouldn't be faith, right? Now look down at verse six. Is faith important? And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then he goes on in chapter 11 to give what's this hall of faith, if you will, this, this group of amazing people. And what he says in there is he's going through all of the faith conduct of all of these individuals. 
And then he finishes up chapter 11. We get into chapter 12. And there's that word therefore in verse 1. Therefore. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it therefore? Therefore ties in what we're talking about in chapter 11. All of these people um, that we saw in this chapter of faith. And you can read that on your own. And then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses? all of the witnesses of chapter 11, which I love how um, I love how Dr. Jeremiah puts it. He said, these are not seeing witnesses, they are saying witnesses. We don't see them, we haven't seen them, but their testimony is written down before us. And so they're saying or they're written witnesses of something uh, that these men and women of faith uh, uh, did. That's why it's so important for us to read the Old Testament. I, I want to challenge you. When I became a, a, a brand new Christian and didn't know anything, I had a, a lady in the church say, don't be offended by, by what I'm going to ask you to do, but I'm going to ask you to get up these, these children's faith books on the stories of Daniel and David and all of these things. And I wasn't offended because I didn't even know who Daniel and David were. So I did. I picked up childlike books, and I just began to read these stories of David and, and Goliath and, and Solomon and, and, you know, and Daniel and Moses and all of these things. And what it did, it whet my appetite for more things. And we now seem to think that as you and I as believers, we don't need the Old Testament heroes. Yes, yes, we do. We need to see what they went through, and we need to, to um, be surrounded by their witnesses, and, and the witnesses, um, the witness that we get is not from seeing them, it's from reading about them. So he says in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, this great cloud of of witnesses. Let's go on. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, number one, we need to surround ourselves with these testimonies and these witnesses. Um, and two, we need to get rid of what hold, what is holding us back. And I don't need to tell you what's holding us back, you, you back, because I know what's holding me back. And you probably know what's holding you back. It's probably a something that's held you back for quite a long time. It's time to lay it down. Why should we lay it down? Because God has so much more for you and I. If we will but live in this freedom that he offers us in Christ. Let's go on. Verse 2 of chapter 12. Looking to Jesus, not to look to his followers, not to look to your pastor, not to look to Gary, not to look to all of these people. He says, use all these people, but when we focus, let's focus on Jesus, the founder of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. We didn't find it, and we can't perfect it. He's the founder and the perfecter of of our faith. And what did he do? Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. What in the world does that mean? Jesus was willing to endure the shame of the cross. In Deuteronomy, it says that cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Deuteronomy 21. Jesus was willing to hang on a tree. Public humiliation. Public death. 
stripped naked. There was nothing on him. There was no clothing on him. He was stripped naked. He was suffering in front of everyone. And because he was on a cross, everyone assumed, and 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 you can't blame them, that he was a thief and a criminal because the cross was saved for the worst of the worst of the worst. But he says, let's look to Jesus who was willing for the joy that was set before him after the cross, after he paid the price. What would he do? He would return to the Father. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that. John 17 verse 6 tells us that. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 tell us that. That he returned to the Father. And what is he doing? He's seated at the right hand of God, um, the throne of God, and he is about his business. It's still placed under him. And one day everything will be placed under him when this uh, enemy that is uh, Satan and death really is the last enemy, not Satan, but death is the last enemy that needs to be completely defeated when it's all gone. And everything will be placed under his feet. So he is the example that we are to follow. Well, can't we just look at the at, at people and go, wow, they're amazing and they're incredible and I think I want to follow their example. No, no, no. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul lays out his amazing Jewish uh, resume. I mean, all the things. And you can read that for yourself. And he, he, he lays it all out. And it's just amazing. You think he's just bragging. And all of a sudden in verse 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of, underline this, knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may, underline this, gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, underline in Christ, uh, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, underline know him, and the power of his resurrection and may share share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He says, all those things that I just listed, all those things that I just said, I count them all as loss. In fact, the word in King James, he counts as much dung. <laughs> we know what dung is. And he gives it all away. Why? So that he could know Christ. He could gain Christ. He could know him in the fellowship of his suffering. He could share in the sufferings of Christ and he could become like him. Wow. Wow. That's amazing stuff. Now go to Philippians chapter 4. Just turn a page over. Philippians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Says this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your, I, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to help me. He says, I love it that you were concerned for me, but here's what I need you to do. Verse nine, what you have learned, what you have received, what you've heard, what you've seen, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is a living testimony 
of not shrinking back, of not quitting. And I need you to do something. I need you to determine today that you won't quit. I need you to determine that you won't quit. That no matter how many times you fall down, you will get back up. And how will you do that? You will train your focus once again on Christ. Not on the suffering, not on the sacrifices that we might need to make, not on the adversity that is in our life, but we will promise to ourselves that we won't quit. We're going to get back up. We're going to dust ourselves off. We're going to stand before God and we're going to ask him to forgive us if forgiveness is necessary. And we're going to get back in the race because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So promise me, but promise yourself and tell God, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to surround myself with good witnesses. I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to keep my focus on Christ. And I'm not going to quit. Let me land this thing in prayer. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.